Welcome to Thrive City Church. Man, it's so good to see so many of you, even on a morning like this. If we haven't had a chance to meet, my name is Pastor Ben. I have the honor and the privilege of being the lead pastor here at Thrive City Church. If you're new around here, maybe this is your first time, maybe you're checking us out, I would love to hear more about your story. I'd love to learn more about you. The best way that that can happen is by you filling out the Connect card in the pew in front of you. You'll find it's just a little card. Fill that out. Um, you can write a prayer request. Uh, I, I give you my hassle-free guarantee. I promise you that I will not sign you up for any spam email lists. Uh, boy, am I glad that the election season is over because my apparently somebody signed me up for like every political uh, campaign ever. So I promise I won't spam you like that. Uh, so fill out a Connect card. Either give that to me, drop it off. Uh, in the box in the back. I would love to learn more about you and your story. If you are looking to learn a little bit more about Thrive City, our church, our story, what we're about, the things that we're passionate for, and how you can get involved, I encourage you to check out Growth Track. Growth Track happens next week. It happens on the third Sunday of every month. Yeah, let's go, Growth Track. Uh, Growth Track is a one-week class where you learn a little bit more about Thrive City. Uh, we do some, some personality uh, uh, assessments, spiritual gift assessments. We learn more about how God has created you and how those two stories can work together. Uh, so sign up for Growth Track or don't sign up and just show up. I don't care. I just want you there. Growth Track happening next week. I want to give you guys a quick little life update because it's kind of been consuming my life lately. Uh, my family and I, my lovely wife and our two-year-old son, uh, just moved. We moved. Oh, I hate moving. Oh. But we didn't just move. We actually moved right next door uh, into the rectory, parsonage, whatever you want to call it. So uh, we're just super excited um, about this move. And I just want to tell you why. Moving is, is great, right? You know, there's tons of space. There's a lot of storage in the basement. That's great. But that's not why we're excited to move. We are excited to just live in the community that we feel that God has called us to. Uh, I, I have a passion for the city of Syracuse. And although we already lived in the city of Syracuse, we are now in the neighborhood that our church has been called to. So we're excited to be close by. Uh, hey, stop by at appropriate times, right? Don't just show up. Uh, but we're excited. Um, and to give you a little just a little example of why we're excited. Uh, one of the things that we want to do, like after Sundays, uh, we can have people over for lunch. Uh, say if you bring somebody for the first time, you, you want us to get to know them and get them plugged in. Hey, hey, invite them over for lunch. We want to be able to host different things, host events, because uh, that's now our home. Uh, so we're excited about that. Well, today we are wrapping up the series that we've been in for the past several weeks called The Ruthless Elimination of hurry. How many people have enjoyed this series so far? Yeah, it, it's been good. It's for me having to go through and prepare all these things. It more than anything has just highlighted how busy and hurried my life actually has become. Unnecessarily busy. Christian author Corey Tenboom once said, "If the devil can't make you sin, he will make you busy." Because both sin and busyness, really what they do is they have the same effect. They cut off our connection to God, cuts off our connection to other people, and even cuts off the connection to our own soul. 
So over the past several weeks, what we've been doing is we've been exploring spiritual practices that we see modeled in the life of Jesus that really fight back against this frenzied pace of life that so many of us live. One of the first weeks that we explored, uh, we talked about the practice of silence and solitude, taking those intentional moments to just quiet ourselves and spend them in silence. Spending them alone, making space to hear God speak. We talked about the Sabbath and making time in our life to to just trust in God's provision. That that God, I I could be spending this day grinding it out and working more and and trying to succeed even more. But I'm going to take a step back and trust in your provision and rest in your goodness. Last week we talked about the practice of simplicity. Making room in our lives for the things that matter the most. We talked about clearing the clutter, seeking simplicity, and ultimately investing in eternity. So the final spiritual practice that we want to explore is the practice of simply slowing down. Author John Ortberg says, Slowing is cultivating patience by deliberately choosing to place ourselves in positions where we simply have to wait. I hate waiting. We'll talk more about that in a moment. But physically, emotionally, and spiritually, the majority of us are living our lives just maxed out. No margin for unexpected moments or interruptions. So when those moments come... We react with anger and and stress and anxiety because, God, this is not how I thought that it was going to be. This is not how I planned it. This is not what my life is supposed to look like. However, when we look at the life of Jesus, we see him live the perfect example of an unhurried life. We never read in the Gospels about Jesus overbooking his schedule, about Jesus getting burnt out, frustrated, or consumed by hurry. His steps are measured and purposeful. Jesus always makes room for the unexpected and the everyday. We see Jesus truly being present. Our scripture for this morning comes from Mark chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, I would love to give you a Bible that you can keep, you can hold on to and have. Uh, If you don't have a Bible and you want one, please just raise your hand and somebody from our team will grab you one that you can have. Mark chapter 4, to give you just a little bit of context into uh, what is taking place before we jump into this, Mark chapter 4 takes place early on in the ministry of Jesus, as we've read about multiple times over the past several months, really, where Jesus is teaching and preaching, and he's, he's journeying from one town to the next. And much of, the, of these stories that we read about in the gospel, they kind of take place around the same area, around the Sea of Galilee. So in this chapter, Jesus had been teaching, and so many people had been following him that it was kind of overwhelming him, and he had to get into a boat and cast offshore so that he could teach to them without being pushed. So Mark chapter 4, I'm going to begin in verse 35. It says this. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. 
And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. And they woke him, and they said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm and he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and they said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Jesus, God, we thank you. We thank you that the very wind and the waves yield to the sound of your voice. And much like the disciples, time and time again, our faith falls short. And God, we, we, we believe, help our unbelief this morning. We ask that you would calm the storm in our souls, that you would cease our need to continue striving so that we can truly and fully abide in you. So Jesus, calm our hearts, still our souls. May we rest in you this morning. We pray all of this in your precious name. Amen. Like I mentioned a moment before, uh, we, we've been moving. This week has been rough. Many of you saw it firsthand this morning. Uh, while we moved the majority of our stuff out of our, out of our house on Friday, I left a couple crucial things behind that I didn't realize until this morning. Mainly, a box of all my shoes. So I was walking around this morning um, just with slides on, just flip-flops. Did not complete the outfit, let me tell you. Uh, this week has been rough. Uh, life currently consists of bags and boxes and misplaced items. And, and leading up to this move, it has been incredibly difficult to, to concentrate or to stay focused on a single task. Because you know when you're moving, you have to think about a million different things, what we're going to pack, where we're going to put it, do we need anything that's new, do, do I have to call and cancel the internet, when do I have to do that? It's very, very overwhelming. And I found that, that, that when, I, when I was at work and I'm supposed to be focused on the things at work, I find myself thinking about things at home that I need to get done. But then when I'm at home, I find myself thinking about all the things at work that I need to get finished. And it's almost like no matter where I am in life, I'm always like one step ahead of myself. I'm always mentally one foot out the door. And the more that I've thought about it, I've started to realize that this issue really gets worse the more that I feel overwhelmed or underwhelmed. So when I'm stressed out about what is in front of me, there's, <laughs> uh, uh, she's not here right now, I don't think, but like my wife loves to ask questions sometimes that I don't have answers to. Uh, it's great. It's who she is. I, I, I often kind of like dream big and she lives in the details. And she will ask me about the details. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. When I'm stressed out, when, when, when she starts to ask me different questions, hey, uh, have you thought about this? What are we going to do this? Where are we going to put this? Have you thought about this? 
I get really overwhelmed and I try and distract myself by thinking about something else, by mentally placing myself somewhere else and removing myself and escaping from that tension. Anybody else do that? The same thing happens in slow moments. When I'm waiting for my coffee in the Starbucks drive-thru, when I'm sitting in the doctor's office, when I'm stuck in traffic, my mind can't handle being like, still and quiet for that long. So again, I seek to escape. I mentally put myself somewhere else. In other words, I have a really hard time being preoccupied. I'm never fully present. Let me ask you this. Have you found yourself living your life reactively or proactively? Do you live your life reactively or proactively? Are you you living life at a breakneck speed with no margin for error or the unexpected? Or are you living your life proactively, on purpose, living in the present? Because like me, when, when I'm always living my life preoccupied and I'm thinking about something else, when something pops up in the middle unexpectedly, I react with frustration, anxiety, stress. Oh, let me tell you, the other week, like last week, two weeks ago, it was a really bad time for our car battery to die, right? Thanks, Dan, for jumping me. You should have seen us, two mechanics, trying to figure that out, right? Sparks flying. It's all right. We made it work. We made it work. But I remember how I felt in my soul as that was happening. I was like, God, I do not have time for this. I'm supposed to be doing this. I'm supposed to be getting this finished. I'm supposed to be checking this off the list. I don't have time for this. And I, I, I live my life reacting to these different things that come up instead of proactively living my life at a pace in which when those things happen, I'm able to be present and I can live my life accordingly, not trying to escape. In these moments, whether we're overwhelmed or underwhelmed, oftentimes the last thing we want to do is wait and just be present. I want to jump back into our scripture for this morning in the book of Mark and see what God has to say about this. Mark chapter 4, as we read together, After a long day of teaching, the crowds that continued to follow him, Jesus turned to his disciples and he told them, hey, guys, we're going to pack things up. Let's go across to the other side, to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. Let's just take a moment to appreciate that in that moment when Jesus said, guys, we're going to go to the other side, he knew full well what was about to happen. I don't want you to miss this. In this moment, the followers of Jesus, in the boat with him, what they are doing is they are thinking about the destination, where they were headed, where they needed to go. Well, Jesus, in that moment, was thinking about what was going to happen on the journey that it was going to take to get there. Do you see what I'm saying? The journey is just as important as the destination. Jesus, being fully God and fully man, knew full well that they were going to encounter a storm that was going to test their faith. It was going to be a moment for teaching. The disciples had already mentally put themselves across on the other side of the sea where Jesus was like, guys, there's a lot that you need to learn in the middle. 
There have been so many times in my life where I've been so dedicated to reaching a destination, completing a degree, hitting a goal, a life milestone, that I miss the purpose that God has for me in the process of getting there. So I encourage you this morning, do not get so distracted by the destination that you miss Jesus in the journey. In those moments where you feel overwhelmed or underwhelmed, and we just want to be somewhere else doing something else with somebody else, what if we were present in that moment? What does Jesus have for us in the present? For his followers, Jesus knew that they still had a lot to learn. They they had seen him teach. They had seen him preach. They had seen Jesus perform great miracles, yet they still didn't fully comprehend the fullness of Christ's authority. That, That even the wind and the waves of creation itself obeyed his voice. Verse 36 says that there were several other boats with them. Have you ever seen like in the summer when people get all their boats together and they kind of time together and they just kind of hang out and party? I kind of like, I kind of see it as that. A bunch of them just hanging out, ministering with Jesus. This is great. They, they, they just had an awesome time seeing Jesus minister and preach and perform miracles. And now they get to go to the other side of the Sea of Galilee and do it again. So they all set sail for the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is about eight miles across at its widest point. So to give you a little bit of context, Oneida Lake, if anybody's familiar with that, is about five and a half miles across at its widest. It's like 20 miles across this way, but five miles across this way. So due to the geography, this area, the Sea of Galilee, was really susceptible to sudden storms that would sweep down from higher elevations. As we read, the storm was so great that the waves began to wash over the boat And fill it with water. This is an immediate no for me. Nope, nope. I am not a boat kind of guy. Uh, I I get seasick like looking at boats. If I nod my head too hard, I start getting queasy, right? Let alone like seeing water come onto the boat, looking down into the blackness of the depth. No, immediate no. Anybody else with me? Just. No, thank you. Little Mermaid, you can keep them. But the situation became so dire that the disciples, many of which had lived a great deal of their life on the water, as professional fishermen, they came to Jesus, who was sleeping on the stern of the boat. Imagine that. Look, I can take naps in some weird places. I don't know if I can take a nap in the middle of a storm in the bottom of a boat. In verse 38, it says, he, Jesus, was in the stern of the boat, sleeping on the cushion. It must have been an awesome cushion. And they woke him and they said to him, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Jesus, I I thought that this was going to be smooth sailing. All of a sudden, we got hit by the storm out of nowhere. Jesus, don't you care that we are about to die? Or maybe in our context, Jesus, I I thought that life was supposed to be easier than this. Can't you see, Jesus, how far behind I am on my bills? Jesus, can't you see how, how I'm struggling in my marriage? Or can't you see that my kids don't talk to me the same way that they used to anymore? Jesus, don't you care? Jesus, who was asleep. Sometimes we feel, we read this story and it almost feels foolish. Why was Jesus asleep? 
Was he ignoring them or neglecting them? No. Jesus was able to find calm in the chaos because he knew who was in control. Jesus was able to walk onto that boat to go down into the stern and lay asleep knowing full well the storm that was ahead because he knew that his time had not yet come. He knew who was in control. There are times when life feels so overwhelming because we feel like we are the ones that have to keep the boat afloat. That if I don't keep grinding, if I don't keep working as hard as I possibly can, this will all come crashing down because my life, it all depends on me. The truth is, it all depends on him. Jesus, when we are able to recognize who is ultimately in control of our lives, we are able to find calm in the chaos. And not just in the chaos, in the quiet moments. We no longer need to escape because we can be satisfied in the present. In the midst of that storm, Jesus was able to sleep. Verse 39 says, he he woke up. And he didn't rebuke the disciples, he rebuked the wind. And he said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Have you ever been driving when it's raining and all of a sudden you find the edge of the storm? You were driving in it and then all of a sudden you're out of it. And just the rain stops and the sun comes out and it's it's almost this jarring experience. I can imagine in this moment, this grave situation where these men were afraid for their lives, it automatically, in a moment, turned back into another beautiful day on the Sea of Galilee. When I envision it in my mind, I can almost see a smile creep across the face of Jesus as he slowly turns to his followers. And barely believing what has just happened in front of their eyes, Jesus asks them, why are you so afraid? Guys, do you, why do you still have no faith? You see, the, the storms of life, the busyness, the craziness, the ups and the downs, those are not a result of the absence of God. The men in the boat who were terrified for their very lives even though God himself was present with them in the boat. You and I, we we do the same thing every single day. I do my best to, to escape the pressures of life when I feel overwhelmed or I try and fill my brain with useless information when I feel underwhelmed. Anything that I can do to escape the present because surely God is not present in the present. He's, he's somewhere else. You see, Jesus did not stand on the shore and send his followers into the storm, nor did Jesus wait for them on the other side. Jesus journeyed with them through it all. So you might have heard somebody say this before, but if God led you to it, he will lead you through it. So stay present in his presence. One of the last points that that I want you to remember this morning is that 
We need to make being present a priority. Being truly present in the present, slowing down our lives just enough where we can truly understand what God is doing right in front of us. These disciples in the boat were were, were so terrified and overwhelmed, they didn't know what to do. They they lost all of their faith, and they they, they just ran up to Jesus, do something, don't you care about us? And Jesus is like, I've been with you this whole time. So he can do the same for us in the busyness of our lives. I believe that God wants us to break free of the frenzied pace of living, to to live in the present and to embrace the purpose that he has for us. But catch this, God's idea of purpose is not about doing, it is about becoming. Our purpose that God has given us is not to simply do things, it's to become something. To become more Christ-like, to become more holy and set apart, to be followers of Jesus. So being burnt out, being overwhelmed, isn't a badge of unwavering faithfulness. It is a sign of stubborn foolishness. God is telling us to slow down. I'm preaching to myself first because this week was hard. And over and over again, when I would come back to work on my message, God was like, you got to slow down. So what are some simple ways to practice this? To practice waiting, to being present in the present, making being present a priority. What do we do? What are some simple steps? Well, I can't tell you one single trick to just like fix your life. But a couple things that we can maybe practice together. Silence the notifications on your phone. You would not believe how much this helps. Uh, The vast majority of us probably have smartphones of some extent, some smarter than others. And in those smartphones, you can actually just silence it in general, or you can only have like certain notifications that maybe are like crucially important to your family or your job or whatever it is. But you can trim down a lot on how many notifications that you are receiving. I would encourage you, to get to a place where you are the one checking your phone, your phone is not the one that keeps checking on you. Psst, hey, hey, remember, I exist. Hey, psst, hey, there's people on Facebook that might be talking about you. Psst, hey, hey, did you hear about the Twitter drama? Psst, hey, nope. Let you be the one who checks your phone. Don't let your phone check on you. Recognize the reach. What I mean by this, have you ever found yourself just like reaching for your phone? pulling it out to escape an awkward uh, conversation. Like, oh, yeah, hold on. Has anybody ever pretended to be on a phone call to just not talk to somebody? <laughs> That's going to come back to bite me. Well, I'm going to actually be on a conversation later, and I'll be like, all right, oh, sorry, and you're just going to think I'm ignoring you. But maybe I am. You'll never know. <laughs> but no, recognize the reach. When you subconsciously feel the need to check your phone, in that moment, Don't. Don't. A lot of this kind of comes back to the principle of fasting. We haven't really taught on that as a church. I would love to do that soon. 
But the biblical principle of fasting, a lot of it comes back to abstaining from food for a certain amount of time so that every time you feel a hunger pain, every time your stomach grumbles and you feel hungry and you think, I want to eat, in that moment you go, I want more of God. I'm consciously making a decision to set aside food and take in more of God. The same thing can happen when we choose to put our phones down. Every time we reach for our phone, God, slow me down. Slow me down. I don't need this right now. So silence your phone. Here's a novel idea. Drive the speed limit. (laughs) My my wife always reminds me when I'm not. uh, She's like... (laughs) hey, you're cruising through the school zone right now. And I go, oh, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Let, let me slow down, let me slow down. Drive the speed limit. Rarely do we feel as entitled as we do behind the steering wheel. All of a sudden, when we get behind the wheel, I'm the most important person. I need to get where I'm going. Do you understand what happens if I'm late? Just drive the speed limit. Build in margin into your schedule to get where you're going on time, driving the speed limit. Anybody ever do mental math? Like, okay, well, if I leave now and I drive really fast, I could probably get there on time. So just drive the speed limit. But as you slow down, whether, whether it's silencing your phone, whether you're, you're driving the speed limit, maybe you choose to stand in the longer line at the grocery store, just on purpose. God, I'm going to make myself wait. I'm not going to be on my phone. I'm just going to be present in the present. What's going to happen is you are going to be, you're going to start to make margin in your life to expect the unexpected. There are going to be conversations that you begin to have that you never would have had otherwise. My wife and I had a moment like this just the other day as we were at the store getting some stuff for the move and we got some coffee. And as with coffee, we had to wait a while. And there was a woman next to us with, with, with two young children who are about the same age as apart as our two-year-old and our, our next ba- baby number two, we're calling him at the moment. And so we just, in this moment, just struck up a conversation with her, and it was awesome. We just got to talk to her, get to know her a little bit more. That never would have happened if both of us just whipped out our phones and were mentally somewhere else. Slow down. Make margin in your life to expect the unexpected. So we, here at Thrive City, we want to be a church that lives purposefully and proactively. We want to be a church that cultivates a slow, deliberate pace of life, creating room for divine interruptions. I don't want us to become a church that the minute the last song plays, and I pray and say amen, we all book it as fast as we can to get to where we need to be. What if we were able to live a slow, deliberate pace of life that we can just talk, that we can make friendships and relationships? Maybe somebody needs prayer after service. Maybe somebody really needs somebody to talk to. And maybe you're leaving too fast to have that conversation. I'm not saying we all just need to like stand around and whatever after service. But what if... Jesus has something for you in the journey. It's not just about the destination. Many of the most amazing stories in the Gospels come from when Jesus was interrupted 
When Jesus was walking through a crowd of people and this woman who, who had had a chronic health problem reached out and grabbed his robe and suddenly she was healed, that was an interruption. But Jesus didn't act frustrated. Why did you, why did you do that? I, don't you see I am important? I have some place to be. He took that moment to love her and to teach her and to use that as a teachable moment. So we want to be a church that embraces the journey that allows God to interrupt us. At, at any moment, that embraces the journey, not just the destination. We want to be a church that embodies calm in the midst of chaos because we know who is in control. We want to be a church that makes being present a priority. So Jesus, allow us to be present right now, not worried or consumed about the busyness of yesterday or about the burdens of tomorrow, but we can be present in the present. Because we know when, when the storms of life hit, we, we cannot simply uh, escape or mentally be somewhere else. Jesus, you are with us in that moment and only you can calm the storm in our soul. So Jesus, we, we right now just proclaim that promise. Peace be still. Jesus, we know that only you have power over the wind and the waves and only you have control over the craziness of life. So God, slow us down. May we experience calm. May we experience a, a purposeful and measured way of living that reflects the example that you left for us, Jesus, as you lived a perfect life. there's somebody this morning that, that that you feel right now just so incredibly overwhelmed that you're at your wits and you don't know what to do and all you could think is I, 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 I think I just need to be at church this morning I don't know who that is but man I, we need to pray for you right now and so I'm not going to make you like stand up or come forward or raise your hand or anything like that Jesus, we pray specifically right now for the people that just, they feel like they can't go any further. That they are at the lowest of the low. They are crying out for help. Jesus, we know that, that you are not a God of chaos or, or confusion or division. You are a God of peace and shalom and fullness and the richness of life. We ask that you would just sweep over them like those waves swept over the boat, that you would sweep through their life like, like a mighty wave or a rushing wind, and that they could just feel your presence. Maybe they don't even have a relationship with you. Would you just, would you just ignite their soul with a passion for your name? we would say in a theological textbook, would you just regenerate their heart even right now? That they could see you for who you truly are. 
Jesus, we thank you for dying on the cross in our place. You lived a perfect life, set a perfect example for us. We know that our relationship with you is hindered by our sin and that there's no way that we could ever work or strive or achieve to overcome that. But you took upon that, that sin debt, that weight of our brokenness. You took it upon yourself on the cross. You died in our place, defeating sin, defeating death that you were raised again on the third day, providing for us a way to have a thriving relationship with you. So Jesus, right now, we cling to that. We believe, we receive. Jesus, lead me to experience a thriving life with you, a life of obedience, a life of purpose, a life of meaning. We slow down and we cling to you this morning, Jesus. Would you stand as we sing one more song?